welcome to the Patrick Tempone Show on News Radio 590 KLBJ. Call Patrick now to talk about your health and receive some common sense solutions that will work at 836-0590, pound 590 for your wireless, and toll free at 1-877-590-KLBJ. Now, here's Patrick Tempone. Well, good evening from the beautiful hill country near downtown Dripping Springs, the center of the universe, in Austin on 590 KLBJ. My name is Patrick Timpone, and it will be the 13th of September. We have a show for you tonight, so hold on to your chairs, trap yourself in. Well, Ike was much to do about nothing for Central Texas anyway, except I talked to a good friend of mine, a lady in Houston about an hour ago, and there's certainly having their challenges down there. She has no electricity, and she says this that's about the situation of most people. Everything's closed. So folks who are on electric stoves and their refrigerators, so they're going to get a chance to bunk, hunker down and uh, do some survival skills. So I'm sure they'll, they'll make it through. It was It was quite the storm, but I was certainly hoping for some rain, but uh, we didn't get anything out here in the hill country, and I don't think there was much in the Austin area. Here's a phone number, and you're going to want to use them tonight. 836-0590, 836-0590, I was originally going to be off tonight because of the football game, and then we found out yesterday they canceled it the game because of Ike, so I'm on. And so I'm going to present a gentleman who I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, and I thought this, this would be very appropriate time to do that. His name is Alan Watt. He's in Ontario, Canada. He has a website called Cutting Through the Matrix. This will be a little bit different from health and nutrition, but it's kind of in the same line we do once a month with money. And it's not far from real geopolitics. I think you could find it interesting since it is the political time of the year. Mr. Watt is a longtime researcher into the causes behind major changes in historical development. He's published books on religion, on philosophy, on, on poetry. He has books, CDs, MP3s. He was born in Scotland, now, Scotland, excuse me, now lives in Ontario, Canada. And Mr. Watt, it is indeed, sir, an honor to have you on the show. How are you? How are things in Canada? I'm doing well and uh, as well can be expected because... Um we get the same problems in Canada as you do in the States now with uh, the weather changes, which I don't think is by accident. I don't think it's because the humans are causing it either. Uh, I think um, there's an awful lot of um, the science is behind a lot of this that's happening today. And, uh, of course, the weather alteration. If you get up in the morning in Canada here, for 10 years we get sprayed every morning by jets that leave these incredible trails behind them. Uh, they blossom off into clouds, and for most of the day you have this grey overcast, and then it rains. Two and a half months it rained and thundered daily where I am here in Ontario, Canada. And you attribute to that to what we call chemtrails? Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever. No I've, doubt. Watched it, I've watched it um, uh, for ten years, and I went into the histories to find out where this originated, and it came up that... Um, it was the, the man who invented the H-bomb. It was Teller, 
who first came up with the idea of spraying metallic substances in the atmosphere to make it more conductive, and then using Tesla-like technology, uh, or HARP, that's a, the, the H-A-A-R-P program, mm -hmm. uh, in conjunction with it, and they could literally alter the weather. And then by following different articles that came out in the newspaper where the U.S. military, the Air Force, said a few years ago it would shortly own the weather, and then that led me into weather warfare, and I found out that the 1970s, all the major nations had signed a treaty uh, to ban uh, the use of weather warfare on their enemies. Now, it's interesting in the UN treaties because it doesn't exclude using it on your own people. Uh, it's the same with every treaty they make at the United Nations. And sure enough, uh, they said they could cause earthquakes, uh, hurricanes, guide hurricanes, um, cause droughts or floods, and uh, literally it put the, the atom bomb uh, it made it obsolete, basically. That's what it said in the treaty. Alan Watt and listeners, I want you to hear something I heard on National Public Radio yesterday morning. Listen to this. Tom Closa of the Oil Price Information Service says that's because Hurricane Ike is bearing down on the Texas refineries, where nearly one out of every four gallons of U.S. gasoline is produced. If you were an evil warlord and you decided to create weather and send a hurricane to the place where it would be most devastating to the U.S. petroleum economy, you would be hard-pressed to come up with a route that varies much from where some of the models suggest that Ike is going to come ashore. What do you think about that, Alan Watt? I think it's right on. I've watched the last few hurricanes. I watched the one with Katrina. And it literally came in as though someone was guiding it with a joystick. That's what it looked like to me. Uh, and uh, then when you, so when you go into how far they've gone with this kind of technology, coupled with the fact that we can ourselves, we can personally see them spraying the skies, and they have been for continuously for 10 years, this all falls together. So your research, Alan Watt, is showing you that organizations who are calling themselves the government, let's not call them the government, just say organizations associated with this or that government have the technology, the motive, and the potential to create hurricanes or earthquakes on another country. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. There's no doubt whatsoever uh, whether... How can you be so... Excuse me. How can you be so sure? Well, you have to go into um, the big think tanks that are heavily funded... They're international. They belong to the United Nations. Um, we've got to remember the United Nations was set up to become world government, and that's in all of their, the old books that were written by the founders at the time. I have them all here. And in the Club of Rome, which is one of their major think tanks for projecting and directing uh, the culture for the future, um, the two founders of the Club of Rome wrote a book in the 90s and they said, the book is called The First Global Revolution. In that book, they said that in the 1970s, they looked at all the, the ways that humanity could be guided towards accepting global government with a sort of scientific type of um, overlay. Uh, some, Aldo Huxley called it the global dictatorship or the scientific dictatorship. Well, the, the founders said, we've looked at all the ways to bring people together and the only time we really work hard except government expanding drastically over us is during war so they'd have to create a war type scenario on a global scale and they said that the best 
that after looking at all the things they could blame for the war, for causing a war, they hit upon the idea, and this is, this is the words they use, they hit upon the idea of blaming humanity for causing global warming and altering the weather uh, patterns, and that would fit the bill. That's, that's the words they use right in their own book. How long ago is that? 1972 or three. To blame the people. Yeah. After the break, I'm going to ask Alan Watt more about this weather modification, one organization to another country, and then why there would be people out there that would want a global government. I mean, to what advantage? What would be the motive? My name is Patrick Timpone, a special edition of our show as we dig into a little bit of geopolitics, a little geopolitical intrigue and environment uh, and just kind of commemorate the landing of Ike uh, in Houston and our best to all the folks on the coast there. And I know they're having a challenging time indeed. We were spared, hoping for some rain, but it doesn't look like much of anything is coming our way. Talk to my mom up in St. Louis. They're going to get more water out of Ike than we did here. You see the way that thing is going? Welcome back to the Patrick Tempone Show. Now supporting you to take responsibility for your health. Here's Patrick Tempone. Come on in. Here's a phone number. You're probably going to hear something. You're going to say, what are you? What are you smoking, Patrick? What is your guest smoking? His name is Alan Watt. He's in Canada. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. A longtime researcher. Mr. Watt, how many books have you written? On this whole global system. All this, all this, all this stuff that uh, you talk about. Yeah, and the global system. Uh, I've got the fourth, the uh, yeah, fourth one out now. Uh huh. Yeah. Born in Scotland, and he really looks at the way the world works, who's running things, and you've been at it for how long, sir? I I was born this way. I think I questioned everything. <laughs> I questioned uh, even the way my parents uh, reacted within their own culture and everyone else around them. So you just were raised like that. You just from an early age. Yes, I did, and I got into history very, very young, uh, and I got into the adult libraries very, very early on. And I was lucky in that respect because uh, in Europe they had very old libraries in Scotland, and at least, and you could get books there in the reference section that sometimes went back to the 1700s, written at the time and published at the time. And I realized that even the history that I was being taught in school was completely different from the histories that were written at the time. And as you grow up and live your life and you go into other libraries of Europe, etc., you find the same thing. Mm-hmm. That history is always being altered uh, with every generation, every publication that comes out. Yeah. History is altered. But I did realize that power and the techniques of controlling people and whole nations was known uh, even thousands of years ago, uh, very intricately too. So, so, so governments and excuse me, uh, they've been at this for a very long time. We're going to get more into that. I want to get just step back a second and kind of wrap up this segment about this whole weather modification. And then we're going to jump into why. I'll ask you right after the break uh, at the news why people would really want to have a global government. I mean, what's the point? What? Why? What's the motive there? But so you you said right before the break uh, that. That the governments or organizations posing as governments, whoever the heck they are, they can make a hurricane, as we heard on that sound cut, actually go right to where they want it, yeah. into the place that would uh, hurt the, the gas prices the most. Is this what we know, and you can you can research HARP, H-A-A-R-P? Is, this what that, is that what this is? It's HARP. 
technology. Harp technology. And, and uh, it, they, they, they use the harp. In fact, they've done on the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation television, uh, they have done specials on the, the one in Alaska, which is the, probably the better known. There's a whole bunch of them. Uh, there are 54 worldwide, and they can be used in unison. They bounce their signals off the ionosphere, hmm. and then they can target it down on any area or a whole country if they wish to. But they can also uh, modify the weather with it um, and cause droughts on any enemy or uh, floods. They can do either, depending on the frequency. I, I thought I read or heard somewhere that governments agreed not to do this to each other, even though the technology has been there for years. Well, this is the amazing thing about it. If you're into the UN treaties, and I got into this part because in Canada, they suddenly allowed the police to, to use hollow point bullets on the public. Hmm. Uh, and, now, and then the UN has banned the use of hollow points for use in warfare. Then I realized that, that all the treaties they signed at the United Nations does not stop their own government or government departments from using that kind of weaponry on their own people. That goes put with HARP as well. So, so in other words, uh, the United States, China, India, somebody can sign something to the UN and it doesn't, doesn't mean anything? It technically doesn't mean anything. And also, I, I also get the updates from governments. They publish the updates when they get a treaty as they try to get round the treaty by reinterpreting the words hmm. and the meanings and, and they actually publish uh, their new findings as they go around all the different treaties. Does the group that poses as our government, uh, because we don't really have a government, as most yeah. some people know, the group that poses as our government, do they then know that, that this is going on and then, oh, yeah. then, then retaliate back? Uh, there's, no, there's no doubt whatsoever. However, the U.S. government has been behind the push for global government since the U.S. funded into existence the League of Nations under Wilson. And uh, they funded it into existence. Wilson went over to Europe to try and get all the other member countries in. And then the people back home said, well, we don't like the idea of submerging into a global system. And the U.S. Um, technically pulled out, although they left, they left a full-scale um, uh, voting member um, or party at the, the League of Nations to do the voting. So they've been in it all along. And the U.S. even today funds the whole push towards global government. And what's the point? What's the motive? Uh, why? The, motive why? The, the purpose was set up long ago in Britain and London by the Royal Institute for International Affairs. How long ago? Well, then, that institute itself came into being at the, the beginning of about 1915 or so. 15. Although it really took over from another group that was the Cecil Rhodes Foundation mm -hmm. uh, that merged with the Lord uh, Milner Group, the Round Table Society, they created the Royal Institute for International Affairs. They had royal, a royal charter to exist and push this agenda, unlimited funding uh, through big foundations, and their job was to, through free trade, uh, they, they tie countries together through what they call interdependence. So no, no nation would be entirely self-sufficient or sovereign. And the, then they set up an American branch. They couldn't call it the Royal Institute of International Affairs, so they called it the Council on Foreign Relations. You'll find most of your top politicians are all members of it and higher members of the media too. Mm -hmm. uh, are the banks, uh, the big the big corporations, these people, are they involved in it? The, the banks that own yeah. the Federal Reserve, for example, the private banks? Yeah, there's no doubt they have to be. Um, money today 
is tied up internationally, completely international. And most big investors um, have just as much interest in the U.S., even if they live in the U.S., as they do in China. So they see the world as one, uh, especially when it comes to money and economics. Mm -hmm. uh, Margaret Thatcher, the ex-Prime Minister of Britain, talked about this. She also talked about the fact that she belonged to this parallel government, she called it, and, and she was simply echoing Professor Carl Quigley, who was a historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, and who's, who admitted this parallel government did exist. It's not responsible to the public. It bypasses any democratic inputs and therefore is unimpeded with its plans. So you're suggesting that there is a group. Is this group organized? Do they have one name? Do they get along and in one, one focus and moving forward? Yes. Now, many of the members of the Council on Foreign Relations in the U.S. and Canada can belong to many other groups as well, uh, and they are specialized. They get put into specialized groups. And, for instance, the coming food shortages that they keep hyping up, if you look into the Royal Institute for International Affairs site, website, they've been working on this for 15 years, creating the hype of the coming food shortages. And when you look at who the members are, you find the top members also pretty well are the guys who run the five big agri-food businesses. So, in other words, they've corralled the market and they're going to use this, the food as blackmail down the road. So is that part, is genetically modified foods part of this? No doubt whatsoever. In fact, um, that's why Monsanto and others have had the green lights to do as they wish. That's also why no one, even the farmers in Canada that took Monsanto to court, or Monsanto took them to court for using their mm -hmm. modified soya, stuff that wafted across their fields, um, none of them have, none of these farmers have won their cases. These guys have a, a green light to go ahead and do as they wish. So GMO food is a very important part of this. And personally, I, I, Canada, if you understand that Canada didn't know, uh, uh, till about 10 years ago, or, or actually 7 years ago, we did not know that the Canadians were the guinea pigs for the GMO food. Uh, it broke out to Canadians through, from London, uh, when a demonstration was taking place against the British advocating that be brought in there uh, and made mandatory for the people's use. Okay, I need to break real quick. Mr. Alan Watt, what do you think about this? 836-0590, toll-free, 877-590-5525. His website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. We'll be cutting through the matrix till 8 o'clock tonight. My name is Patrick Timpone. It's six, 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 oh, do what, Nate? Stretch? Oh, my name is Patrick Timpone. It is 631. Nathan said he's not in the booth yet, so I'm going to just tell you that later on, Alan Watt is going to be talking about religion, how this all ties into that. Chemtrails, we're going to dig into that. We're just going to now get into this whole thing with food supply and the water, and then also the mass media. So there's a lot to talk about, but we'd like you to participate. I want to hear what you think about this. 836-0590-631. Alan Watt is our guest. He is CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, 836-0590. My name is Patrick Timpone, talking about world government, weather modification, spooky stuff, but hey, it's a hurricane weekend. I'm glad that uh, we're all cool here in the... Central Texas area, we send our best to everybody down at the coast, and uh, welcome for those of you who escaped Houston and Galveston area, and we hope that things get back. A friend of mine is uh, without electricity down there, and there's about two and a half million people without electricity, and so they're going to be uh, 
going through their paces for the next few days, so we hope they're they're going to make it okay. Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Before I ask you about the food, let me just uh, take a detour. You heard the promotion there all about oil and drilling, and you've done a lot of research in this regard. And what is your take in, in, in short, Alan Watt, about what, what's the story in your research is showing about what's really going on with the world of oil? It's not just the world of oil. It's everything that comes from it. When you look into the United Nations Agenda 21, it's called, every country signed on to this Agenda 21. This, this is the whole agenda for society and how we shall live for 100 years. And they have habitat areas for humanity all set up on their maps. You have to look into where, where, the, where these areas are. You'll find that most of the coastlines are barren because they want people moving out of them. They decided this 50 years ago. Why? Uh, they want people to move into to these uh, habitat areas where you'll be managed as a form of socialism. They see right in there, too, there'll be no private transportation in these habitat areas. It'll be, commer- it'll be uh, public transport only. Uh, this is this is real stuff. Uh, I mean, it, but I, I can't, it's just so hard to imagine. Yeah. Why why would a bunch of people? And I know this is you know you you do the research and you're saying that it's been planned for a long time. What's the point? I mean, why they control most of everything anyway? They have all the money. They control the money. They can create as much as they want. We get taxed every day by deflating dollars. So yeah. as long as we're willing to use dollars, we're we're bigger slaves than we've ever been. Uh, we don't cause a threat to anybody. Uh, most Americans are willing to get up, go to work, drink a beer, watch TV. Thank you very much. And yeah. and what's the point, Alan One? Because these people at the top, you'll find in the system, which is money-based and competition, etc., you'll find uh, that the psychopathic types uh, gravitate towards position of power and they're ruthless on their way up. They don't have normal emotions. They don't have regrets really? or conscience. So naturally, in this system, they tend to get to the top. And once they're at the top, they end up um, having relations with other countries, bureaucrats, etc. And they came to the conclusion a long time ago the world was just too untidy. Uh, ordinary people were too untidy, they choose their own partners, they breed out of hand, they, they claim, and uh, they, they decided that they are the most evolved type on the planet, therefore they have the right to dictate to the rest of the world how they shall live, and, and even if they should live at all, um, they're bringing in different plans now for, uh, to, to see if you're a right for a parent, can you be responsible, this kind of stuff is being talked about openly now in Switzerland, of all places. Um, well, that sounds familiar, the whole paradigm, right? The whole yeah. idea that we, we think we can create a better society, a, a cleaner society that wants yeah. to do things the right way, quote-unquote, right yeah. way. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then you, when you find the big foundations who fund the United Nations and set it up as well and fund all of these big think tanks that work in concert, they're all specialized areas, you find they are at heart, they truly are eugenicists. They believe in superior types of humans inferior types and common types and all the rest of it. And we, if you go into the Rockefeller Foundation, for instance, uh, who funds all of these programs mightily with his dollars, uh, you'll find that they uh, were quite open. They, they did start up the American Eugenics Society hmm. early in the 1900s. Uh, they promoted the mass sterilization of what they called inferior types or criminal types. And they even classified poverty uh, as being a genetic disorder. What is eugenics? 
eugenics is the belief in evolution and that, that uh, we've evolved, taken big leap forwards down through the millions of years. And because they are at the top and they, and they have for a few generations at least in this big club at the top held on to their family fortunes and their power that comes with it, then they have claimed that they're the most evolved types on the planet. Um, and we, the common people who just want to enjoy ourselves and be happy and not hurt anyone, we're inferior types. We're, we're using up their resources. That's what they claim. Oh, that's spooky. How does, uh, back to the food, how does genetically modified organisms, better known as GMO, what's the whole motive and how does this all fit into to the game? I, I think personally you don't get big m- millions and millions of dollars pumped in to alter a potato or a carrot when you bring in companies which are also involved in, in bio-warfare. Now, these companies are involved in bio-warfare, and here they are splicing all these various kinds of animal and insect genes uh, and putting, and even human genes, by the way, into pigs back in the 70s. That's how far back it goes um, to give us a better quality food. I truly believe um, you are what you eat, and therefore... You're being bioengineered. I've no doubt on that. Bio warfare meaning? Yes, bio warfare means that they can literally alter your chemistry, your your biochemistry by what you take in. It's no great secret because we know that Thomas Malthus, who was the big economist for the British East India Company, and who wrote his book, uh, Jefferson mentions this. Um, Malthus wrote his book on the necessity of culling off the inferior types of humans before they overtake the superior type. Uh, he, he talked about the use of diet and how they were already using diets in the British colony on the slaves and how they could, through specific diets, keep them just strong enough to work but not too bright, not bright enough to rebel or, or, and too lethargic to, to leave that plant. Interesting. Is that about uh, the same thing? Well, well, let me ask about who are the big companies in this agribusiness, uh, the genetically modified, that we, would we know their names? Yeah, you, you have, uh, you have the actual Daniel Midlands. Or ADM. And, which uh, is Adam for short. Hmm. And, of course, they own the earth. And then you have Monsanto. And then you have uh, this Conagra. There's a whole bunch of them all involved, but five major ones all together. But you also find the top shareholders are all the same people. And what is their relationship, if any, the, to the, the major banks, the J.P. Morgan Trust, the Salomon Smith Barney, the uh, Merrill Lynch that own the, the banks in the Federal Reserve, these private banks? Yeah, what you'll find is that they're all interdependent already. Each one of these characters with, with the, the multi-billions of dollars um, whether it's in the food industry or in the banking industry itself, they're already interdependent on each other. Therefore, they do uh, form a a kind of a a monopoly, a club, where they can't let the other side down or they'll go down with it. So they're all interdependent. They can't pull out. Did Europe ban genetically modified foods? Uh, Europe had tried to ban them. Britain uh, kept doing it. And Tony Blair um, eventually passed it for Britain, I think, as far as I know, that's how we found out in Canada. We'd been eating it for 10 years. Hmm. And the Canadian government came out in the major media the following day and said, yes, it says we did make a secret deal with Monsanto to test this out on the Canadian public. Well, it's interesting, though, that you one, would, one would just theorize and extrapolate out that Tony Blair had to be approved by these people 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then now, why would he go out and do something that would be totally against these people? He didn't do it against them. I mean, well, if he yeah. if he allowed GMOs to be in, that would just really be bucking his uh, his boys. Uh, he he allowed in. it in, but he made one exception. Hmm. And the exception was that he could not use the GMO food uh, in the big cafeterias and restaurants that serve the politicians, such as himself. Wow. The rest of the public would have to eat it. Oh, no, I thought it was. So it wasn't a blanket thing where GMOs were were blocked. No. Well, that's very interesting. It was the public that was protesting against uh, Blair and his cabinet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did see where they, they did pass some kind of a law where in Europe that you you can't uh, put antibiotics and growth hormones in in the beef. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty interesting because Europe is, is actually uh, more tightly controlled and, and they have lost more liberties than the United States up to this point, haven't they? They have. And you understand, too, they've also been under incredible... I call it warfare there, because if you go into the writings of Alvin Toffler, mm-hmm. who's a propagandist for this world governmental system, he wrote Future Shock, and mm-hmm. he also wrote the, wrote the Third Way. Now, Newt Gingrich was handing out that, that book, The Third Way, or The Third Wave, uh, to all the congressmen a few years on the congressional steps. And in that book, it says, we are creating a new system, a new world, and it will be a vegetarian world, and it must be so. He doesn't say why it must be so. And bingo, around the same time, you suddenly had this uh, supposed mad cow disease broke out in Britain that all all but eradicated uh, the beef uh, and and the the pig industry. Uh, That's uh, so fascinating. What other person do we know that uh, was a vegetarian who caused a little trouble in this world? Oh, there's quite a few. Benjamin Franklin uh, yeah. once became Rosicrucian. Became but I was thinking about Adolf Hitler, right? He was. He was also he his own personal uh, dietitian. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Alan Watt is our guest. What do you think about this? Well, I thought I'd warm you up here on a little hurricane weekend just just for the heck of it. My name is Patrick Tim Pony. Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Phone number 836-0590. We'll take some calls in a bit. 877-590-5525 if you'd like, would like to be on the show. The Patrick Tempone Show is on. Now supporting you to take responsibility for your health. Once again, here's Patrick. 836-0590. Toll free 877-590-5525. Patrick Timpone having a very interesting conversation with Alan Watt. Long-time researcher, he looks into the causes, really, the causes behind the major changes in historical development. Lots of books published, religion, philosophy, poetry. He said he uh, started early in his life just really questioning what the heck was going on. He's been researching all his life. He's born in Scotland. He's in Canada, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. So are you being surprised these days when you go out and do more research? Are there, are there always things to find out about what's going on, and is it gratifying work for you? There's, there's no doubt. It's, uh, I wouldn't say it's gratifying. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not gratifying. It's not gratifying to know, to know that you're, you're correct and to keep verifying um, where they're going. And, and I already realize where they're going. I've read all their books. They do tell us in advance what they're doing. You know, why is that? We, we've heard about that, and, and you can see that throughout history. Mm-hmm. Why, what is the, what's the whole motive behind that? It's almost like a game. It's like a game. It's also, 
it's also that they can always write the, the books, the history books, and say the people did not object to this, they did not object oh. to that. So legally, you see, it's a very legal thing. You acquiesce to everything that's done to you by your silence. That's mm-hmm. a fact. And yes. So when they say we're going to take your rights away, uh, and we say nothing, then we all obviously agreed that we should have security and no rights. So they cover themselves. And in other words, in other words, if we're able to ever take them up to the Hague and try to hang them, they'll say, well, no, we, 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 we did it. We, they just didn't stop us. Exactly. Huh. And, you know, the Council on Foreign Relations does put out its own magazine every month, and it's called Foreign Affairs. And they've never been wrong as to where they're taking the world, where the next uh, conflict will be. Um, what's at stake, whether it's oil, mineral rights, or whatever else. Uh, they put it all out there, but they're all for world government. And in their own publications, they, they talk about world government. Uh, one of their, uh, their writers talked about um, the, the Constitution of America being an awful nuisance. It was in the way of this agenda, and they'd have to do an end run around the Constitution, which they've done very successfully. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We do a show once a week. Tuesday nights, Mr. Watt, on the Constitution and Freedom Declaration of Independence. And our authorities who are there each week and the different guests, they say the same, very same thing. Like, they cover themselves. They they don't really break any laws, even though there's no real government. There's no judicial branch or, or um, uh, uh, what's the, a legislative branch. It's just a corporation run by a CEO. And they've done it all, quote, legally, unquote. Yes, they have. It's amazing. They have, and they've also changed laws to allow themselves to do the next part, and the next part, and the next part. Yeah, yeah. So they are the law, as far as you're concerned. But they're all just codes and statutes, right? I know. Yeah, they're not really laws. They, We don't really have to obey them, because they're not laws, but we do because they have the guns. They have the guns. I just read an article where at the border of Canada and the U.S., there's, they're beefing up security even more, more intrusive than you'd ever believe. Uh, because because the, the the police and homeland security have made it their policy to do this this or this and this. In other words, they didn't even need a law; they just make it their policy hmm. to strip search you. <laughs> yeah, so it's not really law; it's just the policy. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I just watched that freedom to fascism, and it's an inter- And also, my guests say the same thing: there is no law, of course, uh, that they can show you that uh, you have to pay income taxes. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. And it's just amazing. They keep making an end to run around it, and uh, and they'll they'll manage to throw people in jail because they get them on something because some some jury will believe them. Uh, that's correct, and uh, that's the whole thing. Everything is run. See, the law itself is run by coercion. They, they hope to threaten you, and you will comply. Uh, otherwise, they have to use force, and that's very untidy. It tends to make people stop and think uh, more and do something about it. So they'd rather you just go along with something. And the majority of the public, and this is why they chose the term democracy back in Wilson's era. He was the first one ever to use the term democracy Hmm. for America. uh, They know that the bulk of the population will never object. They'll go along to get along. Well, I I thought uh, the Founding Fathers argued the difference between a republic or a democracy, so weren't the founding fathers that were using that word, weren't they, even though they were against it? They used the term, because, but they knew, too, that Britain was a farce. They knew yes. that behind the, the rump parliament they had in Britain, uh, it, it, they really had another government. It was the establishment. It's called today the, the establishment. Yes. They refer to it as the establishment. It's the royals and aristocracy and the moneyed people who still run the country uh, intergenerationally. 
Let's go to uh, Georgetown, Mr. Watt, and say hi to Roger. Roger, you're on KLBJ. Hi, Roger. Hi, Patrick. Uh, uh, hello, guest. I just wanted to say that, um, you know, part of the way to fight this, I mean, you know, I hear a lot about, you know, what's the problem, and I understand these things, but uh, part of the way to fight it is the Constitution says the state shall make no law, and the state is the federal, state, county, city shall make no law um, with respect to private contracts. So when you do business with somebody, do it in cash. Yes, yeah, keep it keep it private. And once you use banks and checks and stuff and credit, then you're getting into the public. Exactly. They can trace you. You have a paper trail. Don't do it. Just, you know, it's a private contract. It's private. It's nobody's business. And And I think the founding fathers wrote that in, and it was brilliant. Well, they, of course, wrote in don't only gold or silver could be used to payment of debt. Exactly, by the state. So when you win the lottery, guess what? You can sue the state. You didn't pay me in gold and silver. <laughs> do it. Thanks for the call, right? Yeah, Alan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I know it's the way people should have gone, but they haven't. Again, most people will go with a convenient, easy, fast way. In fact, what they'll do is what everyone else is doing. That's how the average person judges things, what's everyone else doing, and they go along with it. They're, they're easy prey for mass marketers and propaganda. And it's probably not long before we, I'm not, I wouldn't get one, but people are going to have little chips in their thumb, and you're going to go into Kmart and scan your thumb and walk out with something. They're actually using that, you know. Are they really? Some countries, Spain uh, opened up a club. Uh, the club itself is headquartered in California, uh, but they opened up a club where you get a, a, a chip injected under the skin. Uh, you have a, it's like a debit card. You don't have to pay at the, at the bar or to pay to get in. It's automatically deducted electronically from, from this chip under your arm. And they even have a mobile uh, injector unit that goes around in a, in a big van with a nurse there who can inject you with uh, this particular chip. And it's catching on like crazy among really? the young people. Okay, we're going to take a break for the news, Mr. Watt. He is in Canada. I'm in Dripping Springs, and you're in God knows where, anywhere in Central Texas, listening to the uh, KLBJ radio. Been around for over 50 years on KLBJ. We'll be back. <laughs> 